Would you turn to the book of Luke this evening? Did you come ready to receive? Book of Luke. Luke chapter 5 and verse 12. It came to pass when Jesus was in a certain city. Behold a man full of leprosy. Who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him saying Lord. If you will, you can make me clean. Everybody say that out loud. Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Now, we have been talking for a few weeks now on this subject of God's will to heal. It is a much debated topic. It's a topic that many people are confused about, and we believe differently than some folk do. But people say, well, you know, you got a right to believe what you believe, and i got a right to believe what I believe about it. We all got a right to believe whatever we decide to believe. No, no, we don't. You don't have a right to your own beliefs. I know that's terribly politically incorrect. Nor do I have a right to just believe whatever I decide I want to believe. If I'm a Christian and Jesus is my Lord, he tells me what to believe. I'm to believe that. And if you're a Christian, you're to believe that too. Not decide what I decide to believe, what I want to believe. No, believe what he said. Well, if you asked people in any number of different denominations tonight, is it God's will for you to be healed? Is it always God's will for us to be healed? You would get many different answers, wouldn't you? But can we find answers in the Bible on this? This man asked this very question. The very question many are asking tonight and today all over the world. He said, Lord... I know you can. I know you can heal me if it is your will. So he wasn't convinced if it was God's will or not. And he's trying to see, Lord, is it your will? Well, we have the answer from the Lord, not what somebody thought he said about it or thought he meant about it. We have the actual words. Oh, come on now. The words of the King of Kings. The Lord of Lords, we have a quotation from him in answering this question. And since we got that, we ought to have this question answered forever. Tell me what he answered when the man said, he said, if you will, you can make me clean. Verse 13, Jesus put forth his hand. And touched him even though he was full of leprosy. He was in a bad way. Jesus didn't run away from him. He put out his hand and touched him. And he said. I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. Religion. Seminary. Preachers 
have taken this and they've twisted it to fit their theology. And they said, well, I mean, it didn't say it, but what he meant is, I'm the son of God. And I'm going to demonstrate that I'm the son of God by healing you. Even though it's not always the will of God, it usually is not the will of God for people to be healed. But because I am the Son of God, I'm going to prove something here. He didn't say any of that. That's conjecture. It's people making up stuff. What did he say? Didn't say he was proving anything. Hmm? Didn't say this was because of who he is and was. He just said, so simple. I will be clean. And he was. Wonder what he'd say today. If you or me or anybody in Canada or South America or Australia or Africa or New Zealand or England or would ask him, Lord, I know you can heal me if it be your will. Wonder what he'd say to us now. Or anybody else now? Has he changed? Then he'd still say, I will. Is he a respecter of persons? Then he would still say, I will. For all Bible-believing people, it ought to be settled. I like what this, uh, the living Bible said, that when the man said, Sir, if you only will. You can clear me of every trace of my disease. Jesus reached out and touched the man and said, of course I will. Be healed. Oh, glory to God. Does that sound like Jesus to you? Of course I will. Be healed. Be cleansed and healed. And the leprosy left him instantly. Well, we believe this. But if it is true, other parts of the word will confirm it. Let everything and every word be established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. And so we've begun on that to establish it from scripture after scripture and place after place that it is God's will for all to be healed now. We've gone over reason after reason after reason. Let me go over a few of them for you. Can anybody remember some of them? We're sure it's God's will for all to be healed today because God's word is medicine. We're sure it's God's will for all to be healed today because a strong spirit will sustain you through bodily pain and trouble. We're sure it's God's will for all to be healed today because of the original creation. And I can't comment on them. I'll start teaching them again. They're so good. We're sure it's God's will for all to be healed today because of God's will in heaven and in the world to come. We're sure it's God's will for all to be healed today because of the origin of sickness. Where it came from. We're sure it's God's will for all to be healed today because sickness is a work of the devil. We're sure it's God's will for all to be healed today because we have a covenant of healing. Ah, that makes you shout, don't it? We're sure it's God's will for all to be healed today because of the eternal names of God. One of which is Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord who heals you. And he still is. We're sure it's God's will for all to be healed today because sickness is a curse. It's part of the curse of the law. And according to Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. 
We read last week where he mentioned sickness and disease after sickness and disease. That's part of the curse of the law. And then he said every sickness and every disease that's not mentioned by name in here is part of it. And we've been redeemed from it. Said out loud again, I'm redeemed from the curse of sickness. I'm redeemed. Well, if you're redeemed from it, how could it be God's will for you to live in it or have it? If he'd have wanted you to be in it, if it was his will for you to be in it, he wouldn't have redeemed you from it. Just doesn't make sense now, does it? But going on tonight, what reason is this? Reason number 10, we are sure it's God's will for all to be healed today because of the types of redemption. T-Y-P-E-S, types of redemption. I want you to turn with me to two places, please. Go with me to 2 Corinthians, uh, mm -hmm. no, 1 Corinthians 10, and then 2 Corinthians 1. 1 Corinthians 10, 2 Corinthians 1. There are some rich, rich things that we're about to get into right now. Types of redemption. 1 Corinthians 10, are you there? 1 Corinthians 10 says, he talked about, uh, beginning in verse 1, about how God brought that first generation of Israelites out of Egyptian bondage. And he brought them through the uh, Red Sea and all the things that happened to them, both good and bad. And verse 11 1 Corinthians 10, 11 says, now all these things happen to them for in samples. And the margin of my Bible says types. Types. In samples are examples are types. And they are written for who? Our admonition or our instruction upon whom the ends of the world are come. The things that are written in the Old Testament, all the things that happened with God's people in the first covenant, they are written as types for us. They typify, they portray what has been fulfilled in the new covenant, the New Testament. And that's another big reason we ought not neglect and ignore our Old Testament. It's full of beautiful types of Jesus and the work of redemption. And you just, you know, the, actually the writers of the New Testament, for the larger part, assume you know the Old Testament. Can you tell that by reading it? They make references to it and assume you know it. And many uh, modern day Christians are woefully ignorant of the Old Testament. That's one reason that we here at Faith Life Church are reading our Old Testament right now. Now, it's going to take more than one year to do it. But is it worth doing? Oh, are you getting anything out of reading this? Does it apply to us today? It's the Word of God. It never fails. It does not change. And so we are in a different covenant, but we don't have a different God. He hasn't changed. And... Thing after thing that he told them was prophesying. And the things he told them to do were beautiful 
prophetic pictures of what was about to happen. In fact, everybody that got forgiven, everybody that got restored, everybody that got healed, everybody that had any blessing on their life in the old covenant got it based on what Jesus would do in the future. Now go with me to the next passage here to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, the first chapter, and verse 20. 2 Corinthians 1, 20. What does it say? For all the promises of God in him are yea or yes, and in him amen or so be it, unto the glory of God by us. How many of the promises of God? They find their yes where? Him is who? If you read the passage, Jesus. Him here refers to Jesus. Let me read this to you uh, again. The NIV says, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. Aren't you glad they're not no? They are yes. Is it God's will for you to be healed? Yes. The answer is yes. But it is only yes because of what the anointed one has done. But because of what he has done and continues to do, it is yes. Every time you need something, it's yes. Every time you want something. Hmm? Every time that, you know... Any blessing, any protection, any deliverance, any healing, all of it can be yes, yes, yes. You need provision tomorrow, it's yes again. You need healing for the 9,000th time, yes, yes, and yes, and it'll be yes tomorrow. Yes, yes. Why? Somebody, you know, you hear preachers say, well, you know, God always answers. They kind of raise an eyebrow. God always answers. Sometimes it's yes. Now they don't say it, but you can tell by the way they say it, most of the time not. And sometimes it's no. And sometimes it's wait a while. And you just never know. That's not Bible. That's not scripture. The Bible says if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions. What does that mean? It means he said yes. He said yes. Now, if you ask him to give you somebody else's wife, then you didn't find out in the word of God about his will. Right? If you'd have read the book, you'd have known that. Somebody says, well, then he said no. No, he didn't say anything. He doesn't regard ignorance like that. He doesn't even hear it. Because you couldn't have prayed it in faith. You weren't praying it according to the Bible. Right? Didn't require an answer. Deserves to be ignored. But, and that's a whole other subject. But all the promises. Let me read another one. 
uh, the New Living says, all of God's promises have been fulfilled in him. Every one of them. As many as are the promises of God, they all find their yes in him, in the Christ. Now, I get kind of animated about this. I believe it very strongly. There is no blessing available to mankind, past, present, or future, except through Jesus. That's a big statement. I say it boldly. I stand by it. I won't even blink when I say it. There is no blessing available to mankind. There never has been. And there is not and there never will be any blessing available to any man or woman on the planet except through Jesus. Somebody says, well, they... You know, back under the old covenant, he hadn't come yet, and they were getting blessed. It was all based on what he was going to do. Every offering they made pointed to him. Everything they did prophesied about him. It was pointing to him. Can you see it? Let me remind you of a few things. Go to the book of Acts. Do you believe this too? There is no mercy. There is no blessing. From God, available to any man or woman, and there never will be, except through Jesus Christ's redemptive work. Every promise that God has ever made, every commitment that he has ever made, everything that has ever been or ever will be able for God to say, yes, I will do this for you, it's happened because of Jesus By him and through him. Do you believe it? He's everything. He is everything to everybody. He is everything for all time. He's everything. He's everything. You know, I don't know that we're as strong about this as we should be. What did Paul say about people that didn't believe in Jesus and that, you know, rejected him outright? He said, among other things, he said, let them be accursed. People that preach other gospels. If you don't love the Lord and you're not looking for his coming, I'm not saying this. I'm quoting him. Have you read it? Anathema. Jesus is everything. Without Jesus, you are nothing. You have nothing. You have no future to look forward to. In him, You have everything. In him you have access to God the Father, creator of heavens and earth. In him you have relationship. In him you have forgiveness. In him you have cleansing from all sin and failure and mistake. In him you have the right to rule and reign in the kingdom of God forever. In him you have healing. In him you have prosperity. In him... Everything you ever desired or wanted or needed, God is able to say, yes, 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 yes. But never forget, every time he says yes to you, it's because of Christ. It's because of him. Do you believe it? Go to Acts, the fourth chapter. 
There are some things that there's no need to be so adamant about. You know, no need to be stuck so hard. And But then there are things that you must be immovable about. Because the salvation of people's souls depend upon it. To believe something else is to be lost. And this is one of them. This is one of them that we're, you know, you say, well, you know, I don't believe in this or that. You know, can't we get along? Can't we fellowship? Well, I'll be nice to you. But we're not even in the same family. If you don't believe this. We're not going to spend eternity in the same places. Did you hear me? This is a dividing line. Acts 4, are you there? Acts 4. Now, this is healing. This man got healed. You remember, lame man at the gate called beautiful. Verse 10, he said, be it known to you all and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified and God raised him from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. Every miracle should be culminating in this. Who did it? Every great thing that happens, every sign, every wonder, it ought to set the stage for somebody to stand up and say, Jesus did this. It happened because of him. How many believe with me and agree with me? He's everything. He's everything. He's the Alpha. He's the Omega. He's the beginning. And He's the end. He's the first. He's the last. He's everything. Everything. Glory to God. Jesus is everything. And if you don't believe in Him, you are on the outside looking in. You are not saved. Nor will you be. You must believe on him. Read this next verse. He said, this is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. You set him aside. You said he wasn't the one, but he is. Verse 12, do you have this? Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. There is no other way. There is nobody else. He's it. People call us narrow-minded. Politically incorrect. You don't accept everybody. You know, I thought, you know, I thought you preached love. Jesus preached love and acceptance. No, he did not. We've already talked about that at length if you were here. He preached the kingdom of God and repentance. And people try to take Christianity and twist it and say, well, if you really love people, you accept them like they are. You can love people and not accept the way they are. No. People say, well, the Lord loves you just the way you are. Said who? He loves you in spite of how you are. He doesn't have to love all the goofy ways that you are to love you. 
Well, if you love me, you'll accept me the way I am. And usually people are talking about their sin. No, we don't have to accept your sin to love you. Absolutely not. And we certainly don't have to accept that you believe in some other God or some other way to heaven in order to love you. No. If we love you, we'll tell you the truth. And not stand by while you believe a lie and go off into eternity without God. That's not love. There is no other name. Do you believe that? Listen to the Amplified. There is salvation in and through no one else. No one else. There is no other name under heaven given among men by and in which we must be saved. I'll say it again. Not only the new birth is this way, but everything else is this way. Every healing, every deliverance, every protection, every blessing, every bit of prosperity that comes from him, every bit of it came by and through Jesus. It's only through him. It's only by him. Can you say amen? Amen. All the promises of God find their yes in him. And their amen. Yes, you can have it. Yes, it's my will. And so be it. It comes through Christ every time. Isn't that what happened with this man? He said, Lord, I know you can do it. If it be your will, what did he say? Yes. Yes. It is my will. Reached out and touched him. So be it. Be healed. Well, this time it came literally through the physical hand of the Christ. (laughs) But every other time before this and every other time after this, it still came through the Christ. Now go back with me, please, to the book of uh, Exodus. And there's enough material here for three seminars, four retreats, and a vacation Bible school. (laughs) And I thought about doing it all tonight. (laughs) Don't get scared. Just believe that we'll be led. But what I'm saying is believe with me too to condense. To condense and compress because I don't think we're supposed to expand all of these. And yet I want us to get the full benefit of it too. We're talking now about redemption. Redemption. What we have, what belongs to us because of what Jesus has done. This is one of the greatest things you'll ever think about. And it's sad that so many Christians know so little about what actually happened. Vast numbers of Christians, all they know is I'm not going to hell. Which is wonderful. But redemption is so much more. So much more. And we're not going to try to cover all redemption. But we're talking about healing. And here's the question. We're going to deal with it now. And we'll deal with it into the next points. Is healing a part of redemption? Is healing a part of what Jesus bought and paid for? For all believers. Now this is where the road divides. I don't know if you've studied or been to school or read books or studied theology on this. But this is the fork in the road. 
And this is why. If you say yes, healing is part and parcel of redemption. Healing is part of what Jesus bought and paid for. Then how many is redemption for? Are you going to say redemption is for some and not for some? And so because of that, millions of Christians do not believe that statement. They do not agree that healing is a part of redemption. They believe God can heal if he wants to. But it doesn't belong to all believers like forgiveness of sin does. But that's a problem. Because now you've got God blessing humanity outside of the work of Jesus. On what basis is he doing it? And people say, well, God's God. He can do it if he wants to. Hmm. Then why couldn't he just save people because he wanted to? He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He can do whatever he wants. Why was it necessary? What they're saying is it wasn't necessary for Jesus to come and pay the price. God's God. He can do what he wanted to do. Nope. God is God. And he did do what he wanted to do. (laughs) He did what is right. He could not, you know, think about it. When Adam and Eve sinned, he still loved them. He didn't want them driven out of the garden. He didn't want them separated from him. But you can't bless people that have disobeyed you and rebelled against you and be fair. That doesn't merit a blessing sin had to be punished sin had to be judged oh but he had a plan I said he had a plan whereby even though not only Adam and Eve but all their descendants that all had sinned and come short of the glory of God he still had a plan whereby he could reconcile now that's an important word he could reconcile Redeem and reconcile all mankind to himself and bless and heal and deliver and save even though they had sinned and didn't deserve it. It's the greatest story ever told. It's the good, 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 good news. Can you say amen? And healing is part of it. Healing is right in the middle of it. It has always been in the middle of it. And it still is in the middle. People try with their uh, theological scalpel. They try to separate it and take it apart and go, no, no, no. Forgiveness of sin, that's for everybody, as many as will believe. But no, healing is not part of that. We know God could heal if he wanted to. But to say it's every believer's right and privilege, no, no, it's not always his will. And being rich, no, no, no. But it is. I believe this will grow in you and me as we go. I'm going to make this statement. I'm getting ahead of myself quite a bit. But I'm going to make it and I'm going to keep making it. And it's going to grow in you. You are right now just as healed As you are forgiven. Right now. Now how much we receive it. How much we yield to it. 
It's up to us. Just like how much you receive forgiveness of sin. But it belongs to you equally. Because it was accomplished in the same work of redemption. This needs to be built into our consciousness. We haven't been taught this as the church for century after century. We've been taught other stuff. But this is true. I said this is true. This is the Bible. And this is true. Now what I want to do as the Lord helps us. I want to go back, and this is so big, you know, we can't do this all in a few days. But I want to go back and go over just a handful of the types of redemption in the Old Testament. And then I want to bring us right into the real thing, the actual work of redemption. Let's look at how it was typified, 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 and then when it happened. Can you say amen? Amen. And our question, and this is huge and big, but our question, we're limiting it to this area, is healing in there? Was healing in the type? And is healing in the actual plan of redemption? And if it is, get out the way. (laughs) Because it's mine. It belongs to every believer if it's part of redemption. Exodus 12, are you there? I'd like to give you five examples of redemptive type in the Old Testament. We're looking for Jesus in these types and we're looking for healing. Said out loud, I'm looking for Jesus and I'm looking for healing. Now what if you find Jesus in this type? And then what if you find healing in it? What does it mean? Let me use a little theological language for you. If it is in the antitype Excuse me, if it is in the type, I said it backwards. If it is in the type, it must be in the antitype, which means the real thing. If it's in the type and it's not in the plan of redemption, the type becomes misleading. Hmm? Exodus 12, the Passover lamb. Exodus 12. Verse 1, the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt. He said, this month will be to you the beginning of months. It will be the first month of the year. Speak you to all the congregation of Israel and say, in the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. If the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of souls. Every man according to his eating, make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without Blemish. Have you ever heard this before? Hmm? A male of the first year, you take it out from among the sheep and the goats. You keep it up to the 14th day of the same month. The whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. You take of the blood. Have you ever heard of the blood of the lamb? Is this a type of Jesus? And you strike on the two side posts, on the upper door post. And they'll eat the flesh in that night. Now, this is something that is not brought out as much as it should be. How many things were they to do once they had killed the lamb? Two things. Not just one. Somebody say two. Hold up two fingers. How many things? They were to take the blood of the lamb and apply it to the entryway of their home. But that wasn't the end. What else were they to do? They were to eat The body of the lamb. Both the blood and the body. 
People talk about the blood, but they omit the body. Big mistake. So, verse 8, eat the flesh in that night. Roast with fire and unleavened bread with bitter herbs shall you eat it. He described to them exactly how they were to eat it. And verse 10, not leave anything of it till the morning. So very specific about eating the body, how it was prepared. Don't leave any of it. Verse 11, thus shall you eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand. Eat it in a hurry. It is the Lord's Passover. Now, why do that? Why eat it? Bags packed, fully dressed, and eat it in a hurry. Well, what did he say to them? If you back up. He said, I'm bringing you out of here. So you eat it in faith. Now, do they have any reason in the natural to think they're going anywhere? They and their forefathers have been slaves in this nation for four centuries. All kind of things have happened. And Pharaoh said, no, I will not let them go. I mean, all kind of signs and wonders and plagues and destructions. And they still are slaves to Pharaoh. There is no reason in the natural. Papa didn't go anywhere. Grandpa didn't go anywhere. Great grandpa and grandma didn't go anywhere. But when God says, get ready to go. I don't care if ain't nobody left the house in 430 years. You go on and get ready. I don't care if nobody's been out of town. In 430 years, you go ahead and put your traveling boots on. Put your clothes on. Gird up your loins. Pack your stuff. And in fact, get it right next to the door and eat quick. Isn't that what he said? Eat in a hurry. Is this a type of redemption? Absolutely. You know, you apply the blood to the doorway, and when the destroyer came through, killing all the firstborn of man and beast, he said, when I see that blood, I'll not allow the destroyer to come into you. And he would pass over that house. That house was exempted, got passed over. The wages of sin is death. All men have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of that is not just physical death, but eternal death. Why aren't you going to hell? Why aren't you paying the price for all your mistakes? We've been exempted. (laughs) We've been passed over where judgment is concerned. Why? Because of the blood of the Lamb that has bought us and paid for us. And therefore the destroyer cannot come into our houses to consume us and destroy us. Was this a type of the spotless lamb? Yes. Well, I don't see healing in there. Yeah, I'm about to tell you about it. Go to Psalm 105. It describes this very night when they came out. Psalm 105. Now, you've got to remember who these people are and what they have been doing. They've not been serving God in Egypt. They've been worshiping false gods. And they have not been treated well. 
especially in recent times. You remember, they were required to produce their quota of bricks and weren't given the materials to make them out of. And so they're working night and day. When they're not making bricks, uh, they're roaming uh, the countryside, scrapping the straw together, and, and then they're being beat. Remember this lately? Because of what was going on, they were beaten. They're treated like livestock. They're slaves. And so were their fathers and their fathers before them and their fathers before them. Four centuries. Now, when you're treated like that, you don't have a decent place to live. Your food is substandard. You're overworked, malnourished. You're going to have sick people. People that are beaten, ribs broken, limbs broken, eyes and ears and noses broken and damaged and didn't receive proper medical care. Uh, they're worked out in the fields till they drop. Heat stroke hmm? had to be a lot of broken, sick, diseased, weak, damaged people. That's what slavery does to people. But when they came out that night, we have a description in Psalm 105. Are you there? 105, 36. 105.36, he smote also the firstborn in their land, the chief of all their strength. He brought them forth also with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. Amen. There were 603,550 foot soldiers. Not counting the older people, not counting the women, not counting the children, you probably easily have two to three million people. You gonna tell me among two to three million people you can't find one weak or feeble of people that have grown up in slavery, slept in the cold, worked in extreme heat, been beaten, overworked, underfed? No, 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 don't even make sense. There had to be many of them that were weak and broken and diseased. But when they come out that night, there's not one feeble person. I submit to you, something very miraculous happened in connection with the Passover lamb. Oh, something, something amazing happened. You try today to find two million people in any group. Find a church of 50 that there's not one feeble or diseased or weak in, among all of in this whole nation. You could not find one weak or feeble or broke. Because the first part of it was silver and gold. Is this a type? Is this a type of redemption? What does a type do? A type portrays the real thing. It points toward what's coming. 
Who is the lamb? Jesus. They were spared. Somebody said, well, it was by the blood. Mm, No, not that part. They were not destroyed because of the blood. But something else happened. They sat in there. Oh, oh, did you get this now? Uncle Ernie, who had a stroke out in the field 10 years ago and was paralyzed off of one whole side of his body. He ain't going nowhere, but Uncle Ernie got ready. They dressed Uncle Ernie and put his boots on him. Ain't many had been beat by a taskmaster, and her hip was broke and had an eye knocked out. And besides that, she'd just been poor health for the last 10 years. But ain't many got ready too. They got ain't many ready. So ain't many said, get my boots, get my boots. We leaving here. We coming out of here. Well, we can't told all these sick people how we going to leave. He didn't say uh, anything about that. He said, get ready, get ready, get ready, get dressed. Get packed up, get ready to go and eat, eat, eat the body of the Lamb. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Is there healing here? And it's in what? It's in a type of redemption. If there's healing in the type, there's got to be healing in the real thing, what it was pointing toward, what it was portraying. Is there salvation from destruction and death in Jesus? Just like there was in the time. I mean, all of us say, apply the blood and be saved. What about the rest of it? Eat the body and be healed. What about the rest of it? Get rich. Get plenty of silver and gold. I mean, first thing you need when you get delivered out of darkness and spiritual bondage and out of the devil's kingdom, first thing you need is plenty of money and a good strong body. Now, got money, got health, ready to serve God. Come on, let's do it. Do we have anything less under the fulfillment of the Passover lamb? Than they had under the type. People try to tell us this kind of nonsense. No what's the truth. What's the truth. If it's in the type. It's in the fulfillment of the type. If they could get protected. And get rich. And get healed. Through the Passover lamb. Surely we can get protected. And delivered. And healed. And blessed. Through the lamb. The lamb that was a type of. Okay, number two, go to Leviticus 14, Leviticus 14. Oh, I like these, I like these, and your Old Testament is just full of these, and every one of them is pointing to who? Every one of them pointing to Jesus, and there's healing in these. Leviticus 14. The Bible says in verse 1, the Lord spoke to Moses, Leviticus 14, 1. He said, this shall be the law of the leper in the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest. The priest will go forth out of the camp. The priest will look and behold, if the plague of leprosy be healed in the leper, 
The priest will command to take for him that is to be cleansed two birds, alive and clean, cedar wood and scarlet and hyssop. And the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. As for the living bird, he shall take it and the cedar wood and the scarlet and the hyssop and dip them and the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water. He'll sprinkle upon him that is to be cleansed from the leprosy seven times and will pronounce him clean and let the living bird loose into the open field. Sadly, so many Christians don't even read these things. And the ones that do, do so as an act of duty and go, oh man, blood and birds and and wood and water and man, I'm glad we don't have to do none of that no more. And just look at it as insignificant, ritual. But there's nothing insignificant in this book. And there's nothing that the Lord told them to do that was for no reason and for no purpose. This is a type of Jesus. You should already be able to see some things just reading through it. Cedar wood. Blood. Hmm? Water. Every one of these. But now, what happened? This is all, the whole thing is over a healing. The whole thing. This man has been leprous. Leprosy described a number of different diseases, some different than what we talk about now. But the thing it refers to was terminal And called a living death. You lost feeling in your skin and your body. There are stories of people that had their hands in the fire and it's burning them up. They couldn't even feel it. People will walk off and break an ankle and just keep walking on it because they couldn't even feel it. It has to do with your flesh actually dying. While you're still alive, part of you is dead. And... When you were this way, it was considered contagious, and you were put outside the city, and you were there on your own in the bush till you died. Horrible. But here comes a man who's been out in the bush for who knows how long, leprous, terminal, no cure. Everybody say no cure. cure. Terminalcy, no cure, death sentence. And he comes and yells to the watchman on the wall. Hey. He goes what? Aren't you a leper? Go back in the bush. Jehovah has healed me. Say what? I'm healed. Jehovah has healed me. You're not playing with us. No. I'm healed. Well stay right there. The Lord told him exactly what to do. The priests come. And they examine them. They look at the, where the sores were, and they shave their heads and shave the hair off their body parts that had the places, and they, they close them up for several days, and they examine them again. And if, in fact, they have been healed and they are clean, then they did this ceremony. Oh, glory to God. Here comes a man. He's got his life back. 
Soon as he goes through this ceremony, he can go back home. He can go back to his wife and his kids. He can go back to his job. He can worship in the sanctuary again. He's got his life back. He's been healed. Somebody say healed. 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 So he comes in. He's cleansed and probably shaved. And they take him in. Verse 4. The priest takes two birds. Somebody say two. Hold up those fingers again. Let me see. How many? Two birds. Alive and clean. And cedar wood. Is there any wood involved in redemption? The master was hung on a tree. Right? He was nailed to wood. And scarlet. I believe it's Matthew 25. It says they put a scarlet robe on him. And they spit on him and slapped him. And mocked him. Hyssop. Hyssop was a, it was used like a brush to apply. We just got through reading in Exodus 12. They used a hyssop branch to put the blood on the entryway. Hyssop was used as a cleansing uh, tool. Is there any cleansing in redemption? You know, they took a sponge and lifted up vinegar to the master on the cross. And we're not told what that material was out of. But notice what else it says. Cedarwood, scarlet, hyssop. Dip them, excuse me, excuse me, I'm moving too fast. The priest, verse 5, will command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel. Killed how? In an earthen vessel. That's what the master did. He was born into this earth in an earthen vessel. And he was killed. The Bible said that you kill that bird over clean or fresh as opposed to stagnant running water. They took this bird and they killed the bird and the blood ran out into the water. One bird is dead. This was done inside an earthen vessel. Then, the other bird is still alive. And you were to take that other remaining bird, and you're to take that in your hand with the cedar wood, with the scarlet, with the hyssop, and you take that bird and these materials in your hands, and you plunge them underneath the blood and the water. Glory to God. And then you bring them up. With the blood and the water dripping off of them. A live bird. A piece of cedar wood. Scarlet cloth. Hyssop. And you sprinkle the one that is to be cleansed from the leprosy seven times. And you say, you are clean. And then you go out to an open field. Just in a wide open space. And you take that cedar wood and that scarlet and that hyssop and you let that bird go free. That water washed, blood washed bird that's alive because the other bird died. And you watch him fly away free. Oh, glory to God. There 
was a clean one who was born into the earth in an earthen vessel. He did die. He shed his blood on the cedar, on the tree, after he was mocked in the scarlet. And they pierced his side and blood and water flowed out. And the price was paid. And judgment was satisfied. Redemption was purchased. Reconciliation was made. And now anybody that will look up from their dirty and broken and sick and death condition and say, I believe on him. I believe on him. And I receive him as Lord of my life. And will let them, by the Holy Spirit, put his great hand on you. And combine you with the work of the cross. And with the work of redemption. And the cleansing of the Holy Spirit. And then take you. Blood washed and bought. Water washed. And let you free. To rule and to reign in life by Christ Jesus. Is this a type of Jesus? Tell me why they're doing it. Why are they even having this ceremony? Somebody got healed from a physical condition. A death sentence. No hope terminal condition. If there's healing in the type, there's got to be healing in the real thing. Elsewise, the type becomes a misrepresentation, a falsehood, a lie. Glory to God. Can you take another one? All right. Go to Leviticus 25. Leviticus 25. Every one of these will preach now, won't they? Mm, mm, mm. Leviticus 25. This chapter talks about the year of Jubilee. Is there any type of Jesus and redemption in the year of Jubilee? He said, skip down to verse 8, Leviticus 25, 8. He said, you shall number seven Sabbaths of years to you, seven times seven years and the space of the seven Sabbaths of years shall be to you forty and nine years. And then you shall cause the trumpet of the Jubilee to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month in the day of atonement. Yes. Is this typical of redemption now? Yes. In the day of atonement, you'll make the trumpet sound throughout all your land. And you will hallow the 50th year and proclaim what? You will proclaim liberty in the year of Jubilee. What is the year of Jubilee? It is the year of liberty. Freedom. And you'll see as we go, restoration. You'll hallow this 50th year. You'll proclaim liberty throughout all the land of the inhabitants thereof. It'll be a jubilee to you and you shall return every man to his possession and you'll return every man to his family. If you had lost something, you get it back. 
It only came around once every 50 years. But when it did, it was party all year. It was what everybody had been waiting for for the previous 49. Because if you had lost it, and there was no way you could get it back in the year of Jubilee, you got it back. A Jubilee shall that 50th year be to you. Verse 13, he said it again. In the year of this Jubilee, you shall return every man to his possession. What happens? Everybody gets back their possessions. Everybody. Now let me paint a little story here for you. Because most Westerners and even Christians haven't even read this and they don't know about it. And if they read it, they didn't see any significance to it. It's very significant. Just like Jesus is our Passover, Jesus is our Jubilee. Huh? According to this, if you were an individual who had fell on hard times, maybe you hadn't lived right, you disobeyed God, you got away from God, maybe you, you were doing good and you had a, a farm, you had a ranch, you had a spread that had been in your family for generations, you had a, a wife, you had children, you had livestock, you were wealthy, but let's say you messed up. And you drank and you partied and you sinned and you worshiped false gods and you got in debt and your creditors came and took your stuff. They took your place in those days. If you had no money to pay your debts, your wife and your kids could be sold as slaves and the money put on the debt. And it it happened. Let's say it happened to you and even yourself. They sold you into slavery. Now... You lost your property that you had for generations in your family. You don't know where your wife is. You don't know where your kids are. You don't even belong to yourself. You're somebody else's property. You get up every day and feed their pigs. And it happens for 23 years. But the 24th year, you get up early one morning and you hear this trumpet. Da 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 da. It's trumpet. You keep hearing it all morning. You know it's the first of the year, but you don't usually hear this trumpet like this. And you go, what? What is that? Somebody come running through. Jubilee. Jubilee. This is the beginning of Jubilee. You say, where are you going? I'm going home, they said. What? What what about the master? He can't stop me. It's Jubilee. You think, I'm going home. I'm going home. So you lay your shovel down and you start heading toward the old home place. And at the same time, so did your wife and so did your sons and so did your daughters. And you come down the road and it used to say Smith Farm, but now it says something else. And you see your wife. And you see your kids coming down the other way. And y'all meet up out there. And you go, Jubilee! Jubilee! It's Jubilee! And you take that sign of somebody else's name off of your place. I know it sounds strange, but this is the way it was. If you had lost it, you get it back in the year of Jubilee. Had man lost anything? 
Adam and Eve had it all. They had everything. And they lost it. They lost their perfect health. They lost their total riches. They lost their complete fellowship with God. They lost their protection. They lost their peace. They lost it. And year after year and century after century, it was hard. But in the fullness of time, there came one born of a woman. There came the master. Oh, hallelujah. The word made flesh. Go to Luke, the fourth chapter. So what's this got to do with healing? I'm about to show you. Luke, chapter 4. Luke, chapter 4. Are you excited at least a little bit? Luke 4, verse 14. Luke 4, 14. Jesus came out of that wilderness temptation, having passed every test, putting the devil to shame at his own game. And he came out in the power of the Spirit. He went into Galilee. There went a fame abroad. He taught in their synagogues being glorified of all. When he came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up as his custom was. So he did this uh, repeatedly. This was his custom. The way he operated. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up for to read. And there was delivered to him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he went to this place. He found this place. And he said, he read it right out of Isaiah. He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news. To the poor, he sent me to heal. Somebody say heal. Heal, heal the brokenhearted. To preach deliverance to the captives. Recovering. Somebody say recovering. Recovering. Recovering of the sight to the blind. To set at liberty. Liberty, you remember reading that? Liberty, them that are bruised, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, Westerners don't know what that is, but all these folk knew. He's talking about Jubilee. He's talking about Jubilee. The year of Jubilee, when you get to come back to everything you lost. You get everything back that you lost, no matter how you lived, no matter how bad and how far down you went, you get it all back. And in connection with getting it all back, he includes healing and freedom from being poor. Didn't he? He's talking about the acceptable year of the Lord. He's talking about the year of Jubilee. He's talking about when every man can return to his lost possessions. And he is the year of Jubilee. He is. And this time, we don't have to wait for another 50 years to cycle around. We're living in the age of Jubilee. Anyone that will believe on Jesus and receive Him as their Lord and Savior, anyone that will reach out through faith and lay hold of what He's bought and paid for can get what they have lost back. If you lost your health, you can get it back. If you lost your wealth, your finances, you can get it back. Hallelujah! If you lost your freedom, you can get your liberty back. You can, get, you can get it all back in Jesus, in Him. Everything is yes. And so be it. You get it all back. I think you ought to stand up and praise God. Stand up and lift up your hands. Lord, praise you. Praise you. Praise you.
This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.